0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: For the next hour and a half, we're going to be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And of course, as always, you're going to get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call six four six seven two seven three zero seven zero. 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blocktalkradio.com/pegant. You can send messages to the show here on the chat room at blocktalkradio.com/pegant. Also, you can send messages to the show on Twitter. Echo for again. G O F O R I T G A N T. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by the newest member of the Philadelphia Eagles, Walter Thurman. And we're gonna get Walter's take <clears throat> on what the Eagles have done this off season. They've done a lot. They've been extra busy. New quarterback, new running backs, uh got a new corner, two new corners, uh new linebackers. So a lot of new things in Philadelphia and a new football team and we're gonna to talk to Walter about the new football team, the new things and Chip Kelly and the Philadelphia Eagles. Also, we're going to be joined by Todd Stuse, former NFL offensive tackle, uh, played for the Vikings, played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, played for the Carolina Panthers. He's been around. Todd knows the league. And we're going to talk to Todd. He has some great stuff out there. He has a new app out there uh, <clears throat> called Scout Site, and that's going to debut in April. We're going to talk to Todd about that. Um, you know, that that's a big-time app. And uh, supposedly it's going to allow you, the fans, to be just like the – well, have the information that the scouts have. And so you will be able to be on the cutting edge, if you will. You'll be able to, to know exactly and uh, whether or not Tampa Bay – well, you would have an expert opinion in, in terms of whether Tampa Bay should take Mariota or Winston. You know, you would have that expert opinion. You would be an expert now. So we're going to talk to Todd about that. Talk to Todd about a few other things um, as well. Also, we're going to be joined by Paul Browning, CSU Pueblo wide receiver, uh, former CSU Pueblo, Pe- excuse me, wide receiver Paul Browning. We're going to talk to him. Um, you know, his the draft is coming up. He had a, a super combine, super regional combine uh, recently. He also had a pro day recently as well. So we're going to talk to him and talk to him about his preparation for the draft. D two player. Uh, won a D2 title last year at Colorado State, Pueblo. Can't even say or can't even speak. Pueblo, yes. But anyway, they won a championship there at Pueblo, and uh, we're going to talk to uh, Paul Browning about that as well. i got to start in the NBA. I mean, I I was going to start in college basketball. We saw last night Kentucky just stop a mud hole into West Virginia, just stomp them out. But we're going to start in the NBA. Kevin Durant, it's official. And there was talk that this possibly could happen. Uh, last week, but Kevin Durant has officially been shut down for the season, for the rest of the regular season, and the playoffs will have bone graft surgery on his foot. He's out for the year, and that's tough. No basketball activities for four to six months. Wow. And this is tough. I mean, he started out the year with the Jones fracture surgery, Uh, you know, missed 17 games there, came back, then missed six. Came back to miss another four, and then ultimately came back again, and you know had that second uh, foot surgery, missed the 14, and now at this point he had to set back in March 20th, and now he's done four to six months. And this is the surgery uh success wise? What 92, 95 percent success rate when it comes to this particular surgery? But you know you're looking at Kevin Durant now. Obviously it didn't work for him. They tried to fix the screw, that didn't work. So now Kevin Durant, he's done for the year, and so are. The championship hopes, dreams, and aspirations of the Oklahoma City Thunder. They're done. It, it, they're done. I mean, I, I tweeted out maybe a few weeks ago that it, imagine you're Golden State. you got to now play A uh, seeded OKC. And my thought process at the time was, of course, Kevin Durant would be in the building. Kevin Durant and Westbrook would be together. Now you have Serge Ibaka, who's out indefinitely, who was out uh, for a period of time. And then you have. Kevin Durant, who's gone, won't be back at all. So this is going to be very, well, here's the thing. Now you look at OKC, and I, I'm going to say they're officially on the clock. And what I mean by that, Kevin Durant can become a free agent next season. They're on the clock. so And and they have to find a way to keep Kevin Durant out of the arms of John Moore and the Washington Wizards. they got to find a way to do that. And maybe that can, they can do it, especially if Westbrook continues to ball the way he's balling and continue to put up the type of numbers he's putting up. You know, maybe it won't be too much of a, uh, uh, a struggle for Kevin Durant mentally to figure out whether or not he wants to stay in OKC or go Washington, or New York, or elsewhere. But anyway, OKC is on the clock. And now, if you're OKC, it's imperative that you continue to build some pieces and bring pieces us to surround Kevin Durant moving forward. It's imperative that you make Kevin Durant happy. And, you know, judging by, you know, what they've done in terms of bringing in an Enos Kantner, you know, bringing in the Deion Waiter, Waiters, and bringing in some guys to help the situation, I think the Thunder were a team that was poised, I think, to, to upset Golden State. I think, I'm not saying, well, I, they would have gave Golden State a very, very tough series. Seven games. Not saying they would have beat Golden State. But it wouldn't have been easy. It definitely would not have been easy. But now, you're okay. See, you're done. You're done for this season. You'll, you'll give you'll give Golden State a series, I think. Maybe you'll take it to six. Maybe you'll steal a couple. But if you want to win that series, Russell Westbrook has to be absolutely positively out of his mind. He has to be a triple-level machine, a scoring machine. He's got to be out of his mind. Obviously, without Durant, this is still a very good basketball team. But this is not a championship team. This is not a team that can win rounds in the Western Conference. This is not a team that, you know, can go through Golden State, then go through maybe a Portland or maybe a Houston possibly, or even the Clippers. And, you know, even if you get through that, you know, this is not a team that's built for that, especially without Kevin Durant. And that's tough. I mean, it's tough. And you look at the past few seasons for OKC. I mean, you know, it's been difficult. It's been tough. I mean, you get to the NBA Finals, you lose to LeBron James, D-Wade, Chris Bosh in the big three. You know, James Harden stinks up to join the NBA Finals, but you lose. You know, you get that experience. You're there for the first time, and many believe you would be there for, for years to come. Then the following year, Russell Westbrook goes out in the first round. You go out in the second round. Uh, you lose to the Memphis Grizzlies, and you're out of the playoffs. Last season, you get to the Western Conference Finals. You have injuries with Serge Ibaka which is big. I mean, that was huge. You missed the first two games of that series, but he came back. It was a big-time spark for you. Ultimately, you took the series to six. But, you know, you missed Serge Ibaka, which was big, which was huge. And But you took the series to six, and ultimately, ultimately you lose to the San Antonio Spurs. At some point in some time, that window closes. That window doesn't stay open forever. And, <clears throat> you know, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, two of the you know, top ten players in the game, obviously two top ten players in this game. And, you know, having those two top ten players is big and it's huge. But, you know, the health of these guys have been sketchy over the past two seasons, past three seasons. It's been tough. It's been sketchy. With Durant with the foot, Westbrook with the knee. And and so now you wonder. It it makes you wonder. You know, ultimately your goal is to keep Durant and Westbrook together. And I think ultimately if you continue – to keep Westbrook and Durant together, at some point you'll break through. You know, a roster of Westbrook-Durant, um, you know, Serge Ibaka, uh, Enos Cantner, I think is you know, a young big who's decent, can score in and around the basket, can has a decent elbow jumper. I mean, you got pieces there. You know, Deion Waiters is a piece. You have pieces. And I look at OKC. And this is a team, again, that was primed. This was a championship contending team coming into the season. Now, you know, injuries always are the big X factor. Injuries are the big equalizer. Injuries are the thing that always changes things. And it changed OKC and it changed, uh, you know, what they were going to do this season. You know, it was just tough. Kevin Durant missed time, missed a period of time, and Westbrook missed a period of time. Then Durant just continued to miss periods of time, and he was done. Now he's done. Again, I think OKC can give Golden State a decent series. I'm not saying they could beat Golden State without Kevin Durant, because they can't. The thing about Golden State is that's a team that just goes on like crazy runs. They go on scoring binges. And and, and before you know it, you're blown out. Before you know it, Klay Thompson has 37 points in a quarter. Before you know it, Steph Curry shooting threes left and right. Before you know it, you know, and, and you know Draymond Green is doing his dirty work, and, and he's putting up points. And you know, you got Andre Iguodala, Bogan. I mean, you got players there in Golden State, and this is a team that's poised and ready to make their move and make their run for a world championship. They're poised in making that run. And again, I just look at it. And again, OKC, if they were to play Golden State with a healthy Kevin Durant, now you're talking. That's a series. That that's a that's a series, and that's a series where you can say. OKC has a chance. That's as serious as you can say, OKC has a shot. OKC has a shot. But now it's done. Now, OKC, another year. And I guess, you know, it's almost a built-in excuse for Scott Brooks because you can argue, well, two years ago I lost Westbrook. This year I lost Durant. So he's got legitimate built-in excuses at this point in time, and, and you can't, his excuses are legitimate. They're they're, they're they're very legitimate. I mean, you've lost your, you know, two of your best players in the past two seasons, and even last year. I, I'll even look at last year where you lost Serge Ibaka for those two games against uh, <clears throat> San Antonio. And that was huge. San Antonio won those first two games. Serge comes back, and they're a totally different basketball team. So that that's huge. You gave away two games to the eventual world champion, San Antonio Spurs, a good basketball team. You can't give two games away to a team like San Antonio. You just can't. You can't give games away. And you know, losing to Serge Baca, you in some respect gave away two basketball games. So you know this is Scott Brook has has excuse three seasons he's has excuse. Westbrook injury? Ibaka injury, Durant injury. You know your top three players. At some point, in some time, they were injured in the playoffs, and they were injured at pivotal moments in the playoffs. So you've had you have built-in excuses, and being that you have those built-in excuses, I guess that bodes well for Scott Brooks, and I think Sam Presti will keep Scott Brooks around. And it seems like Kevin Durant and Westbrook they they go out of their way to defend them. So I expect Scott Brooks to be around, and I think again this is a help this helps them. It's up somebody and we'll see. I mean I'm I'm not completely going to throw K C away in terms of you know, they're well, they can't be going to stay without Kevin Durant, but they they could take it to six. It could be a competitive six game series. We'll see what happens. But as we go throughout the course of this show, we're gonna talk about Michael Sam. He had some comments today, interesting comments uh today. Also Monet Davis. She's in the news. Um, you're gonna get my thoughts on that and then my thoughts Uh, when when you finally receive them and hear them, uh, align closely to what Monet thought Davis is thinking. And so we're going to give my thoughts on that as well. Let's go to college basketball, March Madness, uh, the Sweet 16. Uh, Last night a few teams punched their ticket to the Elite Eight, and one of those teams was the Kentucky Wildcats. And the Kentucky Wildcats throttled West Virginia. You had Dexter Miles, the guard, for the West Virginia Mountaineers, who predicted that Kentucky would lose, they predicted that they would lose to West Virginia, and it was just an absolute drubbing, an absolute beatdown. Uh, uh, you know, just a uh, you know just stomped a mud hole. You know, just, this was just an absolute, you know, just a, a, a butt whipping. You know, they just took him out to the shed and just whipped that tail. They whipped that tail. You know, sometimes it's better. Uh, uh, you never want to say too much. Sometimes it's better to say too little than to say too much. And Dexter Miles said a little too much. I mean, Kentucky jumped out on those boys, 18 to two at one point. Up at up 26 at the break. I mean, they jumped out on those boys, and. You look at it, and you look at Kentucky, and this team, to me, I don't see them being stopped. I don't see them being stopped. I don't. I mean, could you, that victory last night, let's put into, to, to you know, let's look at it and how thorough and how dominating and how, how much of a beatdown it was. I mean, the 39-point win is the largest, matches the largest by any team in Sweet 16 history. That was a beatdown. That was a beatdown. West Virginia only shot 24% from the field, the lowest by any team in Sweet 16 history. That was a beatdown. Absolute beatdown. Ridiculous. Absolute beatdown. West Virginia only had 18 points in the first half. A season low. Beatdown. West Virginia's 39 points was the fewest ever in the Sweet 16 game since 1975 expansion to 32 teams. Beatdown. Beatdown. West Virginia's 39 points, the fewest in an NCAA tournament game for them. <coughs> beatdown. You get it. You get the point. It was a beatdown. An absolute beatdown. Kentucky is darn near impossible to beat. They're they're darn near unbeatable. But here's what I'll say. Notre Dame should be interesting because they can shoot the three. Uh, They can shoot the three. They can put the ball in the basket. They're 19th in the country in terms of three-point percentage as a team, shooting close to 40% from the field, from downtown. So it's going to take an effort. Like Notre Dame, or a team like Notre Dame that can put the ball in the basket, a team that can shoot lights out from three three point land, because you know obviously in, in, in college football, college basketball, excuse me, being at the line is is where it is. It makes it you know the three point shot is the ultimate equalizer, and it might take a team, an effort from a team like we saw back in 1995 with the Villanova Wildcats against the George, against Georgetown, where, you know, Villanova played essentially a perfect game. I mean, they played the perfect game. If Georgetown and Villanova played again and again, if they played in a, in a, in a, in a seven-game series, obviously Georgetown would probably win it four games to one. But, you know, they shot. 78.6 percent from the field, and it's still only one by two. But they shot 78 percent from the field. Tarnley or 79 percent. Georgetown, they shot 54 percent in that game. So Villanova played essentially the perfect game. Now, is
2: it?
1: You get the sense now it's going to take that type of effort from a team out there to beat Kentucky is going to take the perfect game. And the, Like I said, even though Villanova shot 78% from the field, he's still only won by two points. I mean, he shoot 78% from the field, you probably should blow a team out. That's a testament to how good Georgetown was during that particular season, but also you just look at it and Villanova played the perfect game. Will somebody have to play the perfect game to beat Kentucky? Will somebody have to shoot 60, 70% to beat Kentucky? Is somebody going to have to shoot it lights out from downtown to beat Kentucky? Well, Notre Dame seemingly can be that team. Maybe Gonzaga, if they can get that far, could be that team. I don't know. But Kentucky was impressive tonight, last night. And also the reality of the situation is, you know, Dexter Miles, you know, he learns a valuable lesson. He learns a very valuable lesson, and that is, young man, you're a freshman. Shut your mouth. You don't wake a sleeping giant. You don't motivate a team like Kentucky. You don't motivate a a basketball team that's on the verge of going 40 and up. You don't wake that giant up. You let that giant sleep. And if you're going to talk, you got to do a little better than nine, than 19 minutes, zero for three from the field, zero for two from the free throw line, and zero points. You got to come a little harder than that if you're going to, you know, throw it out there. If you're going to be chirping the way you were chirping, you gotta put up a little more than zero point. You gotta be a little more than zero point if you're gonna chirp the way you chirped. You got to. But let it be a valuable lesson for him. Shut your trap. Close your mouth. You gotta know when to shut up. You don't wake. John Calipari. The Harrison twin. Carly Stein. You don't wake those boys up. You let those boys sleep. You woke them up. And now they sent you home, and they just throttled you up 26 at the break, 18-2 to two up at one point, and they beat you by darn near 40 points. <laughs> Shut up, Dexter Miles. Shut up. A lot of great games tonight, four of them to be exact, UCLA Gonzaga, UCLA here. In all the luckiest ways, they don't belong here, according to a lot of people. Got lucky with that air air ball, goaltending three-point shot. That shot had no shot of going in by Alford. But, hey, it is what it is. But they're here in the Sweet 16 against Gonzaga. We'll see what happens. Gonzaga handled them during the regular season. Gonzaga probably will handle them again. Tonight you got NC State, Louisville, NC State, uh, knocked off number one team, Villanova, uh, last week. You know, NC State played some big-time basketball against Villanova, and Villanova, a team that could shoot the ball, you know, shot only 31% in that particular game, and ultimately it cost them the ball, the ball game. Excuse me. You got Duke, Utah, Duke, who's the number one seed, and then you got Oklahoma, Michigan State. So, a lot of great college basketball going on tonight, and it continues on. But at the end of the day, who is going? to beat Kentucky. It's the battle of who is going to beat Kentucky. It's going to be Kentucky and everybody else. This tournament is about the Kentucky Wildcats 40 and 40-0. A lot of people have speculated if John Calipari and the Kentucky Wildcats do go 40-0, win the title, so on and so forth, that Coach Cal might take another trip to the NBA, might try to figure out if he can win. And the NBA had some issues the first time he went. And we'll see if he can go back and, and have a level of success. And let's see if he's willing to go back and have a level of success. He's a, a guy who's mastered the one and done. You know, he's, he's done a great job of, of, you know, playing within the system of one and done. And, you know, you, that's what you got to do. You got to adjust. If the system says adjust, you adjust. And Coach Calipari has adjusted big time, he's adjusted big time. And, and, and has benefited from the one-and-done. And his one-and-dones have helped him, you know, win and win big. So he, he's he's mastered the art of the one-and-done. And so maybe he figures after this, I mean, what else can you do? You go 40-0. I mean, you win a title, which is big, but you also go 40-0. So you win a title and you do it, and 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 in that type of fashion, undefeated. You do it undefeated. You win a title. You do it in undefeated fashion. That is 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 big time. And so at that point, what else do you have to prove on a college basketball? In college basketball, you really don't have much to prove. After that, you really don't. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Walter Thurman, and we're going to ask Walter Thurman this. Or do you like the moves of Sam Bradford and and the two running backs Matthews and Murray, Kiko and Do you like all the moves, By, Byron Maxwell? Do you like all the moves? So we're going to talk to Walter Thurman, the newest member of the Philadelphia Eagles. When we come back, you're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out East, though. I will say that the Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat, and the Knicks have had. Some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That I doesn't don't see mean it. anything in the playoffs, Time In the playoffs, come, it doesn't <laughs> mean anything. I, uh, was trying to throw you, know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that, you know, we know that you can have married women, we've seen, you You, you have a pedigree, ah! we see what you can do, we've seen it, oh, I would man, never bring man, my man, wife man, around you, man, I just don't know what man, you're capable of, come on now, come on now, that's all <laughs> that right, that's not rocky. that's called brother, all right, sounds good, thank you so much, you're Thanks. very, very good at your job, thank you sir, make it fun, you really do, <laughs> We're back. Go for it. Blog, talkradio.com, slash p Paul Gant, the host. We're going to bring in a guy now who's uh, signed with the Philadelphia Eagles, a one-year deal. Philadelphia Eagles made a lot of moves, made a lot of noise in this offseason, and we're going to bring him in now. Let's bring him in now, corner for the Philadelphia Eagles, Walter Thurman. Walter, how are you, man? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Doing well. Thanks for joining us.
3: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Now, Walter, you signed with the Eagles, a one-year deal. Tell us why you chose the Philadelphia
3: Eagles. Uh, it just seemed like it was a, a good fit for myself, you know, getting an opportunity to be able to compete uh, for a starting position on the outside, um, as well as be able to play the nickel uh, back spot. But uh, for me, I really wanted to play on the outside, and that would what drove me to go down to uh, to Philly.
1: Now, you you said that you are the best slot corner in football. Why do you want to go outside? I mean, that's where I mean that's
3: where I've been playing before I even got acclimated to the nickel spot, you know, just through injuries and um, people taking advantage of their opportunities when they came about, you know, uh, forced me to play the nickel uh, inside cornerback spot, but, you know, um, I feel like I'm a, you know, a, a top corner in the league as well as being able to find outside, and I wanted to uh, display my abilities of being able to do that.
1: Now, you said uh, in the past that you are the best slot corner in football. You still feel that way?
3: Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, it's a it's, uh, just trying to dedicate my craft and, and perfect the technique and everything. And, you know, uh, Brandon's a great uh, slot corner, too. I'm sure he's uh, one of the best in the league as well. You know, it's going to be great to be able to play with him and um, have, uh, have each other push each other, you know, to to compete and better ourselves for the very good of the team.
1: I know Brandon, had to, Brandon Boykin had disagreed with you when you said it at the time, but you guys are cool, you guys have spoken. No, I, uh, I
3: haven't I, haven't smoked, I haven't spoken to him uh, yet. Uh, you know, everyone's out doing their thing before. We have to report on April 20th. But, um, you know, look, I'm looking forward to, to, getting, you know, to getting to know him. And, um, you know, but we have bigger goals out here besides ourselves, you know, and you know, to win a championship. And um, hopefully you can be able to, you know, work together and push each other and um, bring the best out of each other.
1: We're talking to Eagles corner Walter Thurman. Walter, last season – you missed 14 games with a torn pectoral muscle. At this point, how is your health?
3: Uh, my health is great. You know, just looking just looking forward to starting to get down there with the new teammates and um, work for, work towards this season. You know, I, I think we uh, doing something special. Uh defense is uh, is really good, and looking forward to playing with these group of guys. You know, they're one of the top in the run defense as well as uh, you know, special teams. So. I'm looking forward to to being a part of this defense and seeing where uh, we can go, this, how far we can go this year.
1: Now, Walter, you know, since 2011, you played 20, you played in 22 out of 64 games. In your mind, has this injuries been a big issue for you? And if so, what do you do to correct that?
3: You know, I mean, it's uh, injuries are an inevitable part of the game. You know, football is a vicious sport, and, uh, and we know what we we sign up to when we come out and play. You know. Um, can't make a, a vicious game safe you know to, just can't do it so um, all my injuries have been part of the game you know uh, whether you be making a play on a beat ball which caused me to fracture my leg or uh, me going for a, trying to strip a ball out you know I mean it's all acts of part of the game you know it's unfortunate but uh, really you can, you can still minimize some of the soft tissue injuries and that's the, the biggest thing that I've never had really never had any of those during my career so I've been fortunate in that aspect but you know just just trying to get my all and go out there to compete.
1: We're talking the Eagles corner, Walter Thurman. And Walter, in this off season. Chip Kelly and the Philadelphia Eagles made a lot of moves, trading Lashawn McCoy, trading Nick Foles, bringing in Sam Bradford, bringing in DeMarco Murray, Ryan Matthews, yourself, Byron Maxwell, Kiko Alonso, to name a few. How do you view these moves at this point?
3: Uh, you know, I, I like the moves, you know. Um, I think the guys that he bought in, especially on the offensive of the ball, really fit his scheme and, Um, what he's looking for as far as his offense is concerned, you know. Um, Coach Kelly is a mastermind as far as uh, the spread offense and being able to get the the most out of the guys um, that he he needs uh, in those various positions, you know. I think Sam Bradford was a great addition. You know, people questioned him. You know, this is the offense that he ran in in college that got him the Heisman and got him the number one overall pick. And being able to play against him uh, when he was at St. Louis, you know, he didn't look really too comfortable in that pro-style offense, you know, I don't think it really, uh, really suited his uh, his assets, you know. So I think it's going to be a, a great situation for him. And just again, looking forward to to move with everybody and uh, moving forward.
1: Do you feel like Sam Bradford's going to have a big year? I think so. You know, I mean, I think it's, I think he's going to be comfortable within
3: this type of offense, and especially he has his uh, you know one of his guys that he played with in Oklahoma and everything. And I think it's a great situation. I think it's also. Um, a great deal for him, you know, being able to again another guy who's who's had some injuries, but being part of the game and you know, um, good thing for him. He We're talking have to, doesn't have to run too much with the, with the, with an the ability as far as the quarterback, but I think it's a great addition.
1: We're talking to Eagles corner Walter Thurman and Walter, you played under Chip Kelly at Oregon, so you know what he brings to the table as a coach. As a whole, you feel like this system and his system can win big in the NFL.
3: I think so. I mean he he's had two back to back ten or six seasons, you know, his offense has um done done great, you know, and now he's able to have a defense to go along with that as well, you know. So, um I think he I think he genuinely big in this in this league, you know, and his offense is really geared to, to run the football, you know. This is so uh even though it's past happy, but she needs to be able to run the ball, especially in the month of January. So I mean I think that's a uh I think it's a big addition a big key for his offense and um, I think he can uh, win games this week.
1: Now, looking at Chip Kelly, I mean, he's made a lot of moves in this offseason. Some people have called these moves crazy. Others have called him a genius. Do you see football genius when you see Chip Kelly?
3: Almost definitely. You know, he, just, he uh, really gained the game as far as all things are concerned, especially with that spare offense, you know. So uh, he, he's, in a, 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 he's a great innovator, um, great thinker, and, uh, he knows what players fit his offense the best, you know, and he really puts a lot of stress on defense and going against him for uh, for three years when I was at Oregon, you know. I mean, I, I know what his offense is capable of doing. I've seen it firsthand, and I've seen it also in the in the NFL being able to accomplish the things that he's done. And, and I think by matching the defense with his offense, you know, I think big things are on the horizon.
1: We're talking to Eagle's Corner, Walter Thurman. Walter... Frank Gore who was close to signing with the Eagles ultimately backed out. He heard that Chip Kelly was overbearing. In your mind, does overbearing win in the NFL?
3: Um you never know, have their their own you know, their own styles and anything, you know. Um and to be able to accomplish any of those things you have to have trust in your offense and trust in your defense thinking as well as personnel and coaches and so stuff like that, you know. Um I think I I like his I like his style personally, you know. Um Sometimes you need to be that way to to win football games.
1: For sure. I I want to ask you this now, and we've heard a lot of talk. uh, Stephen A. Smith talked about it. Others have talked about it as well. You have in Philadelphia, Chip Kelly, ultimately parting ways with Deshaun Jackson, LaShawn McCoy, uh, Jeremy Macklin as well, but ultimately keeping Riley Cooper, and we all know what happened with the Riley Cooper situation. You've been around Chip for a while now. How do you react to the talk of Chip Kelly uh, possibly being a racist and uh, people, uh, you know, alluding to that fact.
3: Um. You know. I mean. I, I mean, I haven't really kept up with the, with those situations, but I mean, I know my my relationship with him, you know, it's been. Uh, it's been it's been very good, you know, going back to the college my college days and everything in even when I came for the visit, you know, it was very welcoming. It just seemed like we just picked up what we left off, you know, uh, in college. So I mean, everyone has their own. Uh, Personal views as far as um, when you meet somebody, you know. So I mean, it's some people might like you, some people might don't. You know, that's just the way the world unfortunately. But um, so I mean, I, I mean, you know, I think it's just on an individual basis as far as their inclination of what they feel as, uh, as Chip Kelly is. You know.
1: Let me ask you this now. I mean, we we with Chip Kelly, we heard about the smoothies and and guys getting you know eight plus hours of sleep. Did he preach that at Oregon, and is that something that you're going to buy into something you bought into at, at Oregon?
3: You know, uh, my senior year was his first year as the head coach, so it was still, um, still a deal to where he's getting accustomed to the head coaching position and really figuring out his style, you know. Um, we, I mean, we still had uh, some key personnel that he brought along with him to Philly that, that were there when I was there. And so that some of those things were were mentioned and preached in my well, my family there, uh, my senior as as head coach. But, um, you know, I think he wants guys that are going to buy into the program. And um, when you have guys that can buy into the program, great things happen. I was there when uh, we won the championship with the Seahawks. You know, guys were able to buy into the program and play for one another and everyone was selfish. I think that's the biggest thing for when you're talking about winning championships.
1: You happy to be reunited with Byron Maxwell? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a great football player,
3: you know, and i um, you know the contract he got is well deserved. You know uh, he's a guy who who's a tremendous competitor, works hard, very self, very humble guy, and, and a great football player at the end of the day as well, as well as, well as a human being. And uh, just looking forward to be back out there with him. And I mean, had a great chemistry on the field, and uh, it's always good to have a familiar face with you um, when you go to a new team.
1: For sure, Walter, you're doing big things in the community with the Walter Thurman Foundation. Tell us about it.
3: Uh, it's what the Foundations for Arts and Education, you know, really wanting to, uh, mentor kids and have them reach their, maximize their full potential and go out there and chase their dreams and goals, you know. Uh, and, that, and that's the biggest thing, and, uh, contributing the, you know, the future and the education is very big for people to go, to, to want to, to want to learn and as, as well as make the most of themselves and be model citizens.
1: Now, you have any upcoming events?
3: I um, haven't planned any upcoming events at the moment, but um, we're, we're going to be planning to get everything situated as far as uh, the move and everything to Philly, and uh, going to be able to plan from there.
1: For sure. Now, I, I know you were to Giants last year, so, it, it's it's you know, in terms of your living situation, it's probably not going to be much different, correct?
3: Yeah, yeah I mean, it, you know, it's going to be a very easy move for me to be able to just move down south, you know. But uh, and the rent's going to be a lot cheaper, too.
1: <laughs> For sure.
3: For sure. I'm looking forward, looking forward to that, but I know Philly has so much uh, great history and uh, it's a great city and just looking forward to being a part of it.
1: No, I know you you looked at Philly last year when ultimately you signed with the Giants, but how close were you to signing with Philly? Oh uh, it was close, you know, they ended up signing Mel and
3: Carroll and uh, that kind of backed them some way and it seemed like the opportunity in New York was a better fit uh during that time and um you know, everything happens for a reason, but I still ain't nothing to say, and that's, uh, you know, that's a good that's a place to be.
1: For sure. Fans, make sure you support all the great things going on with Walter Thurman. Make sure you go to his foundation website, WalterThurmanFoundation.org. Support all the great things going on there. And also you hit him up on Twitter at WaltThurm3 and support all the great things going on with Walter Thurman. Walter, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you Thank nothing. Man. But the best of luck. I'm an Eagles fan, so I'm rooting for you. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Take care. Take care. Yeah, you have a good yeah, one. you have a good one. Walter Thurman, corner for the Philadelphia Eagles, newest member of the Philadelphia Eagles, Chip Kelly, and the Philadelphia Eagles made a lot of moves. We'll see, ultimately, if those moves will pay off. I'm skeptical. I'm very, very skeptical. But time will be the judge, and we'll see whether or not Chip Kelly is actually the genius that many believe that he is. Time will be the judge of that. We're going to bring in a guy now who uh, does some big things with analytics, metrics. I mean, when we look at metrics and analytics, we, we, we look at baseball. You know, that's where it kind of all originated. We look at baseball. But, you know, all sports at this point in time and, you know, all life really. I mean, it's all about numbers. It really is. Numbers dictate what a lot of people do and how a lot of people think and, 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 you know, forms opinions. We're going to bring in a guy who's doing some things with numbers, doing some things with analytics, and uh, doing some things with a great new app that's about to come on out, come on out in April. So, you know, so it's right around the corner. And and for those draft nicks out there, guys who really, really love the draft, this app is probably for you. Scout Site is the app, and it's coming out in April. and, And one of the guys who is a part of that, Former Vikings, Panther, Buccaneers, the Rams, offensive tackle, Todd Stucey. Let's bring him in now. Todd.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Thanks for joining us.
0: Oh uh, no, uh it's a pleasure being here. Thanks for uh having the opportunity to talk about what I'm working on. I think uh uh yeah, it'll relate to a lot of uh, NFL fans out there. Obviously there is no off season, uh NFL combine and pro workouts and soon come in the NFL draft in Chicago this year. So um it's uh, it's an exciting busy off season.
1: Now uh, let's talk about the app. As we know Todd you are the co founder and executive vice, vice president excuse me of potential metrics and you also have this new app, Scout site coming out in April. Tell us about it.
0: Alright, so um the potential metrics is our company uh our professional sports analytics, uh, as potential pro. And, um, uh, the, I mean, most people think of, uh, numbers and, and analytics and sports. They think of money ball and, uh, hate to tell everyone, but Moneyball's dead. Uh, it's has <laughs> on the way of the Dodo bird or the VCR. It's, uh, uh, I mean the people that first heard of Moneyball uh, when they heard the name Brad Pitt probably were a little behind in the times, uh, that that revolution was kind of a simplified approach to what's going on now. The, uh, um, in big data, there's the, the three Vs, the volume, uh, variety, and veracity of data. and uh, That's the way that the world's been going, and, and sports analytics are no different. With the wearables and the tracking technologies, the amount of data doesn't allow for uh, – Simple uh, arithmetic anymore. It requires the ability to take sophisticated algorithms and platforms and be able to process this data. And really, I mean, our our app that's coming out in April is just a just a kind of some something to wet everyone's beak on kind of what we're up to. So, uh, Scout Sight is a unique app that allows individuals to have unique access to data that was previously locked behind the doors in NFL headquarters. It's NFL insider information, but it's at the hands of the fan. so it allows an individual fan to go deeper, to decide what they want to look at, uh, to leverage the power of comparative analytics, to do their own custom draft rankings, ID, high-value prospects, Measure them against historic players. Look back in the previous draft. I mean, there's too much to really talk about. Um, For sure. The big thing I really want to urge people to do right now is to go onto our landing page where you can sign up your email, and uh, we'll notify you when the app goes live. Uh, it's uh, www uh, so scout site so S C O U T site like Vision S I G H T app A P P dot com, and we will, you guys will be the first
1: ones to get it. As soon as it goes live, you'll know it. Let me ask you this. Based off the app at this point in time, who would you go with? Jameis Winston or Marcus Mariota?
0: I would find a sucker to trade up. <laughs> so, neither. Uh, I mean, historically, the best thing that you can do uh, without getting into the minutia of one player versus another um the best thing a team can do is don't try to buy one magic lottery ticket buy a couple you're more likely to win the lottery
1: okay all
0: right so i mean by trading down you're accumulating picks that's the patriots way the patriots have been smart enough to 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 capture the uh when when there's a momentum generated based on a sexy pick the the patriots understand uh uh how much the system is generally flawed based on the information, and the best thing they can do is package that, move down, and then possibly move back up when their analysis tells them to do so. And so, uh, there's—I don't think either one of them is Andrew Luck. Let me put it uh, that, okay. that
1: way. Okay. We're talking to former Vikings, former Buccaneer, former Ram uh, offensive tackle Todd Stukey. Todd, I want to go to the football field now, and we've seen some players, Jason worlds. Jake Locker, Patrick Willis, and also the 49ers, Chris Borland. He retired after one season. We're seeing guys walk away in the prime of their careers. Do you think this is going to be a trend moving forward?
0: Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I think that there's a spotlight on it right now. They're, going back five years, there probably was a, uh, a similar – I mean, Robert Smith is a perfect example. My running back True. in Minnesota, he walked away after um, – it was his eighth year in the league. He was a, uh, the leading rusher in the NFC, a free agent, and he said, I'm done, guys. So, I mean, these kinds of things happen all the time for different reasons. But right now, I think with the concussions, et cetera, it just it seems to be getting a greater spotlight. For sure. And,
1: and let me ask you, this, how many concussions have you had in your career? And at this point, are you seeing any type of side effects
0: well, no, I'm I'm very blessed that I was not someone that was prone to concussions. That was not an issue for me. Okay. Um, the being an offensive lineman, you tend not to take the real huge hit over the middle that tends to uh, create a significant one-time impact. But the the big question for an offensive or defensive lineman is really what is the uh, basically we we had chronic hits every hit every play you're you're making some sort of contact and that cumulative effect no one really knows for sure the studies are incomplete on what the the effects or that are so i mean does it concern you obviously but uh you get to live your life the way you you want to right now and uh i try to live a healthy lifestyle and um we'll see what things happen 20 years from now
1: knowing what you know now would that have changed the way you approach the game?
0: No, I mean I, I, I don't know. I mean I, I played 14 years. I was very right. blessed to last that long, and I, I, I learned more about myself uh, later in my career when I didn't have necessarily all the physical attributes, and I had to learn to perform in a different way, uh, leveraging uh, the power of preparation and uh, and. Uh, uh, reasoning to be able to kind of outthink your opponent and know more than the guy across from you and to me I really appreciated that it, it taught me a lot about myself and I wouldn't have learned that about myself if I would have retired after seven years in the league before my body started to fall apart and in the end I think I decided you know what I'm gonna I know I'm gonna be living with some uh, uh, negative side effects after playing. I had to have my ankles fused last year at the age of okay. 44, and it's uh it's one of those things. I knew that there was going to be things like that. Obviously, the cognitive issues are uh, it's a different beast. So I'm, I'm I might have reacted differently if I was
1: more prone to concussions. For sure. We're talking to former NFL tackle, offensive tackle Todd Stukey. Todd, I, I got to ask you about the 1998 Vikings. That was a team I rooted for because of my love for Randall Cunningham. You know, Randall Cunningham is my favorite player. And I have a hard time to this day watching that NFC title game against the Atlanta Falcons. It's just tough for me to watch. Looking it's, back on that game and that season, how tough was that loss to the Falcons, and have you gotten over it?
0: No, never. <laughs> uh, it's uh, – no, I mean, it's, it's difficult because, I mean, leaving that season um, – it became very apparent very quickly. It's like, you know what, that, uh, the stars were aligned in a lot of ways. There was very – I played for uh, for three more teams in another, uh, what was it, uh, nine years. And I never even really came close to the kind of talent that we assembled on that team and the kind of momentum we had. And it was definitely ours to lose and unfortunately we lost it i mean atlanta was 14 and 2 the regular season right. they were far from a a bad team we didn't lose to a bad team by any means but at the same time that was our game to win and i would have loved to have a chance to play the broncos and uh in the super bowl but uh that didn't happen and um uh, it's uh uh
1: No, I'm not over it. Let's not do it that way. And, and, you know, you just look back at that game and, you know, like you said, it seemed like the stars were aligning. I mean, Gary Anderson was perfect in terms of of field goals. Before that kick, that fatal kick that ultimately he missed, wow. I mean, that's tough. Uh, That's tough. Yeah, but – the game, the, we
0: could have put the game out of reach well before Gary's kick. It wasn't on Gary's shoulders. I mean, everybody has a piece of it. There's, There was dropped interceptions in the end zone. There was, uh, there was sacks. There was uh, uh, dropped balls for touchdowns. I mean, there's plenty of times where we just let them hang around too long. And the one thing I will say about it is uh, – we won by such great margins throughout the regular season and the playoffs that I think that we kind of didn't know how to play when things got tough. Hmm. Um, I played for uh, the Carolina Panthers in 2003, and we went to the Super Bowl in 2004, and we lost there, but you know what? it was a different kind of team. We were nicknamed the Cardiac Cats in the uh, local media because we won, I think it was, eight games by less than five points. I mean, we didn't blow anybody out, but we, it's like in the end of the game when things were really tough and it could have, everyone saw it, uh, like the media or whatever could have seen it going either way, and we had the utmost belief in ourselves that we were going to win, that there was never doubt. There, I mean never a doubt because we'd been there every week all season long and when it came to the championship games against the Falcons, uh I think there was a just a creep of of worry or um
1: anxiety associated with well oh my gosh, what might happen? And sometimes that's all it takes. We're talking to former NFL player Todd Stucey. and Todd you played for the Vikings for many years and at this point there there is a risk between Adrian Peterson and the Minnesota Vikings. At the end of the day, how do you see that situation playing out?
0: That's tough. That's tough. I mean, uh, he is the franchise, obviously, uh, but uh, he's, from purely a uh, quantitative standpoint, I think that Numbers tell you that running backs don't last that long, that the there's plenty of studies that show uh the kind of uh workload that a guy gets that uh, whether it be Sean Alexander or um uh, trying to take another workhorse example that Jamal guys Anderson. that wind up getting Yeah, that wind up getting like three hundred and some carries a season that they wind up the next year they don't show up. Now the what that doesn't tell you is okay adrian basically had the year off last year his body's got to be feeling great he's got something to prove i would love to have him on my team i'd love to have him on my fantasy team and uh but at the same time so the vikings have to kind of deal with the fact that they might be giving up a great player but they might be able to get tremendous value from that trade don't give them away but if if some team like the cowboys you could see a jerry jones going crazy to get a guy like adrian peterson that he'd be willing to pay a tremendous number of picks to leverage it all for one shot at another super bowl if the right deal came across the table um i think that you could make that uh i mean articulate that information to the fans that know what we are going to be a better team from this and uh, best wishes to both sides. Because, I mean, I think there's some animosity that, there that Definitely. is never really going to be resolved. So, um, it's I, I think it was poorly handled, for one. I think that the uh, Adrian Peterson situation could have been done a whole lot better on both sides.
1: Let me ask you this, Todd, and we'll get you out on this. Do numbers lie?
0: Absolutely, because. Uh, y- most times bad information leads to bad outcomes and uh, or bad data leads to, to bad analysis, and too often people are using the wrong information to come to conclusions that they've already prejudged. Uh, one of the greatest biases in the NFL, in my opinion, is uh, uh, basically a preconception bias where very quickly someone will wind up uh coming to some sort of intuitive conclusion on this guy's good, this guy's bad, and then for the next four months before the draft, they accumulate information that supports their own uh uh initial intuition and rather than the them looking for things that basically blow their their Uh, Analysis out of the water. I mean, uh, statistically speaking, the best thing you can do—it's called a uh, a confirmation bias—is the name of the term. The bias, and so if the if if you want to come in with bad information, you're usually going to come out with bad outcomes. And uh, that's the thing that we're working forward towards. Is uh, we have a number of platforms using some of the cutting-edge data that's coming online, and. we really look forward to the opportunity to
1: redefine what what analytics means in the NFL. Todd, again, where can fans find information about all the great things going on with potential pro and scout and uh, and this newest app that's on the yeah, uh, out scout, uh, site. Uh, scout
0: site?
1: Scout uh, site.
0: You can follow uh, on Twitter is the best way. We we've been pushing stuff out. Scout site uh, is the app. So S C O U T S I G H T. You can follow me personally, Todd Stoussy, just like it's spelled, S T E U, S S I E. And uh you can go to our website Potentia Pro, P O T E N T I A, P R O dot com, and uh we will be on the iTunes uh, store in just a couple weeks, so please look out for us. Please go to our uh ScoutSite dot com to uh sign up and we will be pushing out uh,
1: information on when it's available. For sure. Todd, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do it again. Hey, thank you very much. I'd love to come back on again. Take care. Okay, you too. Thank you. Todd Stucey, former off- offensive tackle play for the Rams, Buccaneers, Vikings, and the Carolina Panthers throughout the course of his career. Again, scout site, make sure you get that app. Make sure you go uh, on his uh, Twitter page. And, and get him there at Scout Site, also at Potential Pro, and also at Todd Stucey. So support all the great things going on with Todd Stucy. Shaquille O'Neal, um, he's going to get his number and everything retired tonight in Orlando. Well, he's going to be inducted into the Magic Hall of Fame. And, um, you know, you look at Shaq, and, you know, he said maybe he could have been more patient. Maybe. You know, he regrets going to L.A. Maybe he just stayed in Orlando. He did say, quote, do I regret it? I never fully answer it. I regret it sometimes. Is, there, is this where I started and should have stayed? I actually wish they made it a law that whoever drafts you, you got to stay there your whole career. So that's basically saying that he wished he didn't have to make the decision to go to L.A. He wished that he didn't have to make that decision. And, you know, he did say, you know, that, uh, that you know, Orlando did try to, to match that seven year, $120 million contract that he got from the Lakers. And, you know, it's crazy. And it's a situation. Well, it wasn't crazy, but I mean, you look at Shaq and, you know, it's hard to argue with his decision. He went on to say, I wish I would have had more patience. I wanted to be protected from the bashing. What I mean by this is I wanted to win then, even when I got to Los Angeles, I still got bashed. It took four years to win, but I was very impatient. I was very young, and I thought that if I go there with those guys out there, I could win right away, and that wasn't the case now that I'm older now, I wish as a youngster, I would have had more patience at the end of the day. You know, and I'm not saying Shaq really truly regrets it. I'm not saying he doesn't really, truly regret it, but, I mean, you know, this is the time where you come, you, you're you getting inducted into the Hall of Fame, their Hall of Fame. In some respects, you know, you, you kind of make amends and, you know, you try to say nice things about the organization. But at the end of the day, you can't argue with the results. The results was four championships in Los Angeles. Maybe it could have been more if him and Kobe could have, uh, you know, coexisted with one another. But ultimately, he, meaning Shaquille O'Neal, he went to L.A., he won championships, he had success, and, you know, a lot of success. And Phil Jackson helped him get to that success. And I'm not saying ultimately if he would have stayed in Orlando that he would not have won a title, may not have won four, but he may have won one or two with Penny Hardaway. That's a possibility. But that Magic team that got to the NBA Finals back in 1995, you remember... Um, You know, they got swept by the Eastern Rockets. Akeem Olajuwon schooled a young Shaquille O'Neal in that particular series. Akeem Olajuwon was schooling everybody back in 94, 1995. Uh, 94, you know, both of those seasons, those back-to-back championships. Akeem Olajuwon was schooling guys left and right. He was doing things that, you know, he was the best. He was the best player in basketball at the time. And he carried the Rockets. Carried the Rockets to a title in 94. Carried him again in 95. He was big time. And, you know, you remember Shaq and those boys getting swept by Orlando. I mean, get swept by Houston, Akeem Olajuwon. But does Shaq really regret that? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know how you can regret leaving Orlando when you win, won four titles in L.A. You won four titles in L.A. So those four titles that you got ultimately ended up you got those titles, and you wouldn't have got. They got three titles in LA, excuse me, and four. He has four altogether, one in Miami, but those three titles he wouldn't have gotten in, you know, Orlando. He, I don't think he would have got three. So I don't think he, he regrets it. I think he's just talking now because, you know, it's, you know, it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do, you know, and I, I can't, I can't knock him for that, you know. It's, Speaking highly of everything. I can't knock you for that. You know, he's just doing what, you know, you do in that particular situation when you go back and you talk about the past and, and, you know, you talk about the situation maybe a little. I, I can't believe that he regrets it. I just cannot believe it. I'm sorry. Not with the success he had in L.A. Second hour, go for it. Starts right now.
3: A.K.A. Corey Live, host of Picture on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it!
1: Hello and welcome to Go For It. Donald on Your Knicks have the best chance out East, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... It doesn't see mean anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs time, it doesn't mean anything. I was uh, trying to throw you. Know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can kept married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around too. I, I yeah, just don't know yeah. what you're Come capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. <laughs> That's not Rocky. <right. laughs> That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're Thanks. very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> and we're back. Second half hour. Go for it. Starting right now. We're going to bring in a guy now preparing... For the upcoming NFL Draft, NFL Draft is about 30-some-odd days away. So it's a near, it's approaching, it is upon us. This guy participated in a a Super Regional Combine recently, so we're going to see how he fared there, how he thought he fared there. Uh, You know, he's got a pro day coming up as well. So a lot of great opportunities coming up for this man. Let's bring him in now. Former Colorado State University, Pueblo wide receiver, Paul Browning. Paul.
2: Uh, Thanks. Thanks for having me
1: on the show, and uh, like I said, I just appreciate this. For sure. Thanks for joining us. Let's get right down to it. I mean, you had your Super Regional Combine recently. Talk about it, and were you happy with the results? Yeah, uh, I had to,
2: uh, went to the Super Regional Combine out in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. I actually went to Tempe at the Arizona College facility, and a uh, lot of scouts whole lot of scouts, and it was, uh, you know, a lot of talent out there. I felt like I was able to fit right in and, uh, you know, able to showcase my abilities. Um, You know, I've been to a couple pro days now, uh, well, at least the the CU pro day uh, before, and then I did a regional combine to get me to Super Regional Combine. So um, I've got a lot of numbers behind me um, leading up into my pro day on Monday. But, uh, you know, uh, Arizona was great, man. So
1: you you were happy with your forty time and, and everything with that?
2: Yeah, you know I got I got a an alright forty time. I feel like I might be able to uh, you know run a better one um, at my pro day. So I will uh, run a forty at my pro day, uh, you know just to just to see if I can go uh, go even faster and uh, get get better numbers on that. Um, jumped well. Uh, did a lot of position drills. That went very well too. So, you know, just just a uh, a great performance.
1: So, forty time wise, where, what 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 are you looking at? What what kind of numbers are you shooting for?
2: Well, right now I got marked down a 458. Okay. Um that is my uh my fastest time. Uh but that that's also on a electric time. Um and I know a lot of guys they run their they run their 40s on uh stopwatches and um you know that helps that helps him out a little bit, but okay. uh, right now I'm I'm shooting for for you know four, four, five, four, four, eight, uh, four five two in that area. Okay, um, would be would be great.
1: What kind of feedback are you receiving? You said there were a lot of scouts uh, there. What kind of feedback are you receiving?
2: It's kind of funny, man, because uh, you know scouts scouts don't really say much. Really, really okay. scouts they got their pen and their paper. They see you do something and then they they do a lot of writing. So you know, you might catch a ball and then they go down. And they write something down, or you run a forward and they write something down. Um, and say you say you answer a question wrong, they probably gonna write something down. Uh, but uh, re- really, you know, just you know, mostly uh, you know, scouts to say you know, good job or you know, continue to do what you're doing, continue to work hard, and
1: uh, that that's really the most that I've been
2: getting. Now you
1: have another pro day coming up on Monday. Talk talk about your preparation for that pro day and talk about your mindset going into this pro day.
2: Yeah, like I said, March March thirtieth, that's Monday, that's the pro day down in Pueblo. Um I've been training at Stepman Hawkins since January, Stepman Hawkins Clinic, that's a nice little training facility in Denver, Colorado. I've uh, been down there, you know, working real hard, getting ready, uh uh four to five times uh four to five times a week, uh two to three times a day and uh, just been really trying to get the body um, right and be able to run these drills, you know, uh, to the my, to the best of my ability, be able to, you know, jump out the gym and, you know, uh, run real fast. It's basically a lot of the training I've been doing, also been working on, you know, routes and uh, just trying to continue to perfect my craft as a football player. Um, really the mindset right now is, uh, like I said, I've been through three of these now three pro days, and really the mindset um, is just go in there and do what I do. You know, I don't try to uh, be anybody that I'm not. Um, I don't try to psych myself out. You know, just go in there and perform the way I know how to perform and do what I know I can do. And at the end of the day, I just want to leave it all out on the
1: field. Um, We have no regrets, really. We're talking to former Colorado State University, Pueblo wide receiver Paul Browning, and as you said, three Combines, you've been through this, you know what to expect. Do you feel like you're generating a buzz? I do, I, I do.
2: Um, to to get my face around, uh, a lot of different scouts, uh, usually um, when if you're in my region, you know, you'll get the regional scouts that will come through and, and see you, and, uh, you know, there will be the familiar faces. But to be able to, to go to Combines, um, the one out in Arizona to do the regional combine in Denver and the Ducey Pro Day. Um, you know, I'm seeing different faces. So then, you know, I might be seeing you know three different scouts from the same team. And, okay. Um, you know, if there's if there's three different scouts who all know something about me and they all have something that they like about me, then that can help me out in the in the long run. And um, really, really, I'm just putting my head down. I'm going to work, man. I'm just trying to you know grind it out. And because um, at the end of the day, that's the only thing I can control. For so, sure. uh, you know, uh, just getting the buzz created—that's—that's—that's that's, uh, that's definitely something that I—that I hope that
1: I'm doing right now. Now, you know, obviously, anything, any dream, and you know, if you want to make it to the NFL, you got to grind out, you got to work hard, you got to do what you got to do to get to that level. Let me ask you this: How, how grueling and how tough has this whole draft process been for you? It's tough, man. It's real tough. You know, if
2: it was easy, uh, everybody would do it. And I know sure. people say that, but, um, I mean, that's, that's really how, how it goes. Um, not only physically, but, but really mentally, that is the part that really, uh, will take a toll on you. And that probably goes from the guy in the first pick in the draft to the guy who doesn't get picked in the draft. Um, just because, you know, th- there's probably only one guy who's going to be happy on draft day. And that's the guy who got picked first. Cause the guy who gets picked second, he thinks he's got picked first. So, um, you know, it's just, it's really, it's a stressful thing because, you know, you're grinding and you're working real hard. At the same time, you know, you're trying to get feedback. You want to know how this is going. You want to know where you're going. So a lot of things are going into that. Um, uh, but but also, like I said, on the, physical, on the physical side, I mean, you're pushing yourself to where you can be at the top, uh, in the top physical shape. And, um, you know, it, it's a grind. But, you know, if I stay persistent on that and I, uh, you know, just continue to, like I said, do what I can do and, you know, focus on things that I can control. I know it's going to pan out great for me.
1: Now, Paul, you played on the D2 level. I mean, at the end of the day, you're all time leading receiver uh, in terms of yards, in terms of touchdowns at Colorado State Pueblo. Dif- you know, in a lot of ways, you got a lot of people that may not have seen you play, may not know your game. At the end of the day, tell us what you bring to the table. What I bring to
2: the table, man, I'm I'm a big receiver. I'm a pretty big, strong receiver uh, who can move and who's going to go attack the ball. I know you see guys like uh, Des Bryant, guys like Brandon Marshall. Um, that's the type of uh, playmaking ability that I can bring to a team. And um, Like I said, I was able to produce all through my whole career. I was able to produce um, and was able to get a national championship after uh, school had just been started seven years ago. And um, you know now a lot of people can say that they've been part of that, and i like, they you know I was a I was a leader on that team. That's another thing I can bring to the table is leadership, and um, you know just just that, that's that's the big thing I want to be able to do uh, is the be intangibles, being able to be a competitor, being able to, to work hard, and like I said, also be a leader. Um, those are, those are some of the things that I like to
1: you know really uh, really back myself on. So. Now you won a title, you won that championship last season at CSU Pueblo. I mean, put into words what it meant for you to win that title. It meant a lot, man. Um,
2: you know, just to be a guy who um, you know, I wasn't I didn't go D1 and uh, you know, win went, went D2 and a relatively new D2 at that. Um, so we had a lot of naysayers and uh, you know, every year we would get to the um to the playoffs and Uh, We just couldn't get it together and get knocked out, get bounced early in the playoffs. Uh, And this year for the whole team to come together and, um, you know, really step up to the challenge and, uh, you know, put ourselves in position to go on this run and then we actually go on the run and get to the national championship and just bring it home to Pueblo. um, It's all the hard work, man. It it, it paid off, and this season was a a tough one for me. And, um,
1: you know, to have it end with a national championship, you know, it made everything sweet. Definitely, and you, you talked about the season being tough for you. I know you had some issues with injuries, but ultimately you did finish strong. What did those injuries do to you mentally, being that this was your senior season? Yeah, man, it, it, put, a, it put a huge
2: chip on my shoulder, you know. Um, you know, when you're a senior and you've got a whole lot going for you. Um, I was a preseason All-American, and, you know, um, getting my looks Uh to have that kind of stripped away from you, you know, it puts things in perspective. Uh, I'm able to to see exactly how much football meant to me. That's another thing. Um, And, you know, to be able to go through that, um, you know, like I said, it was able to just put things in perspective for me to be able to to see exactly how much football meant and, you know, uh, what I was missing out on uh, when I wasn't able to play. And then now being able to see, you know, how, you know some of these uh people might be taking me for granted, um or you know you know giving me the shorter than a stick on how how you know what type of football player I am um you know it's just putting the chip on my shoulder and um you know i'm out I'm out to prove people wrong, and I've been out to prove people wrong ever since I got hurt to to get the team in the national championship. We got that,
1: now I'm out to prove people wrong and you know how great of an n f l player I can be, so at the end of the day, should I expect to see you? in the fall, on Sundays on the NFL roster?
2: Yes, you should. And uh, you know what? You m- might want to go get you a jersey, too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, sounds good. I got my Browning jersey. I'm about to go to NFL.com and, you know, uh, pre-order a Browning jersey.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> you are on Twitter. Where can fans connect with you on Twitter? Uh, they can find me on P V
2: underscore Escobar 81 Um, That's my Twitter account I also have um, an IG account And that's uh, Nino N-I-N-O Underscore Underscore Browning B-R-O-W-N-I-N-G So they can find me On
1: that one Nino Browning A little little, uh, New Jack City Yeah a little bit Of New Jack City For you (laughs) (laughs) Paul Pleasure talking to you man Wish you nothing But the best of luck With this journey Good luck on your Pro Day on Monday Let's do it again
2: Hey, Paul Grant, man, thank you so much for having me. And, uh, you know, big shout-out to, you know, everybody uh, who, who gave me this opportunity. So thank you.
1: For sure. Take care. Sir. Paul Browning, former Colorado State Pueblo wide receiver, as he prepares for the upcoming NFL draft. <clears throat> Let me go to now Monday Davis. I mean, we had the story uh, – uh, Player, first baseman from the Bloomsburg University uh, baseball team, Joey Castleberry, Uh, you know, he sent out a tweet, Disney making a movie about Monet Monet Davis. What a joke. That slut got rocked by Nevada. And he's referencing the game where Monet Davis got lit up by Nevada in the College World Series. Um, Ultimately, he did apologize. Ultimately, he did deactivate his count. And ultimately, he was removed from the Bloomsburg baseball team. Monae Davis now, who who is the victim here in this particular situation, 13 years old. Well, she's come to the support of of this young man and uh, Joey Castleberry, and, and she believes that Joey Castleberry should get another chance and and, and should be able to uh, play again on the Bloomsburg baseball team. You know, as I as I look at the situation, and you know, here's the thing, and, and you know, Herb Edwards says this. You know, be careful you before you press send. Double-check it. Look at it before you press send, because once you press send, it's out there. And he, you know, he erased it, but it was out there. It was out there. It was screenshotted. And once it's out there, once people screenshot the whole thing, you're done. You're done. And so the reality is, you know, with that being said, you know, it's it's an unfortunate situation. Now He's a young guy. Obviously, Monet Davis is younger, and obviously, Monet Davis, is a child. This guy is an adult, but he's in his twenties. And how many people have done and said some dumb things in their twenties? Heck, I didn't have uh, Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, the uh, Vine, any, any of these, uh, you know, social media back when I was uh, in high school and, and even in college. For that matter. I think Facebook may have started when I was when I left college. I don't remember, but anyway, the point being is. You know, when you're in your 20s, you say some stupid things. You do some stupid things. And the difference, I think, a lot of times between the stupid things that are done now and the stupid things that were done in the past by us is that the stupid things that are done now are are put on the computer, and, and it's archived forever. The stupid things that were done now are are put on video, Cam- camera phones, and, uh, you know, they're put on videos and iPads and things of that nature. And you know they're you know they're they're put on social media sites, and they're spread they spread like wildfire. You don't know how many people in this world have gotten themselves in trouble because of of putting stupidity and stupidness on their Facebook pages I mean absolute dumbness that they put on their Facebook page is just stupid. You know the stuff they put on their Twitter pages and things of that nature and obviously, what he put on his Twitter page and calling her a slut is stupid, but at the same time, he's at the age where people do stupid things. I am inclined to believe that he does deserve a second chance. I think he does deserve a second chance. And I hope he does get a second chance. And I'm not excusing his behavior. Obviously, he's apologized. He apologized on his Twitter page before he deactivated it. But I'm not excusing his behavior. I'm not excusing it at all. It's dead wrong. Monet Davis is a child. 13-year-old child. I mean, she's not, obviously not a slut. And, and so, you know, it, it just happens a lot of times. People don't watch what they say before they press that, And there could be a lot of people who feel the same way about Monet Davis, meaning all the attention that she's receiving. There could be a lot of people who feel like, you know, you know, she's getting a lot of attention. You know, when they're making a movie about Monet Davis, a Disney movie. So there's people out here who feel like she is getting a lot of attention. And, and, you know, maybe too much attention. There are people out there who feel that way. To me, it's a tremendous story. It's an amazing story. It's, you know, it's a it's a person, a girl, a female who, you know, went out there and, and, and dominated, dominated for that Philadelphia baseball team, Little League team, and almost, you know, got them a title. So they dominated. So I look at it, and, and I say, you know, give Joey Castleberry another chance, um, and let's see what happens. You know, let, let's see what happens and give him another chance. I mean, I, I, obviously I don't condone anything Joey Castleberry says and said in that tweet, but I also believe that he is entitled to a second chance, and we are a society of second chances. Though sometimes I don't know if I necessarily feel that way anymore sometimes because we are so quick to judge, knowing that a lot of people have said some stupid things on their Facebook pages or Twitter pages. A lot of people have, you know, done some uh, things that weren't even on Twitter pages or Facebook pages. A lot of people have. So, you know, be mindful of that. And, and you know, Monet Davis gets it. And, and I think at the end of the day, he, meaning Joy Castleberry, should get Another opportunity. We'll see what happens. We'll see how it plays out. You know, and, and Monet Davis is the voice of reason, I believe, here. And I tweeted that out. And I added, uh, Bloomberg University. So Monet Davis is, uh, the voice of reason. We'll see if the voice of reason will be heard by the masses. Time will tell. Darren Sharper. Um, you know, obviously we've heard the stuff with him. I mean, Darren Sharper, what a, what a fall from grace. I mean, has there been a crazier story than Darren Sharper? You know, obviously this dude is sick. He's sick, you know, raping all these women. He's a sick man. (laughs) Excuse me. He needs help. He needs help. A lot of it. And at this point, he uh, pled out uh, some rape, sexual assault charges. Um, He's going to, at this point, received nine years in federal prison right now for it. nine years so i mean in, in some respect that's a deal that's a big time deal there's no way you probably should see the light of day no way no way no way And, you know, he was indicted by grand joys. I mean, he's a serial rapist, pretty much. He's a serial rapist. And being that he's a serial rapist, serial rape, he probably shouldn't see the light of day. Probably shouldn't. I feel bad for him, obviously, but I feel worse for the victim, the many victims of Darren Sharper, his sick, twisted, demented ways. I mean, this guy... You know, a big-time NFL player, possibly a Hall of Famer. Possibly a Hall of Famer. A Hall of Famer. And so, you just, this is a story that I'm having a hard time wrapping my hands and fingers around because I just don't get it. You know, he's a good-looking guy, but he's a good-looking sick guy. He's a good looking sick guy. And so the reality is it's just it's just mind boggling the, the the fall from grace. The fall from grace that Darren Sharper has had. I mean the fall from grace. I mean, you look at his numbers, Hall of Fame caliber numbers. <clears throat> Eleven touchdowns uh return interception returns. Eleven interception returns for touchdown. I mean that's 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 impressive. What's that? Second all time. You know, sixty three picks. That that puts him in fifth all time and, and that puts him also uh same same level as Ronnie Lott. him and Ronnie Lott, same amount of interceptions. Number six in terms of all time on an all time list for picks. You know, all decade team in two thousand. You know, so he's definitely there's some numbers to say that maybe Darren Sharper could be a Hall of Famer. This will probably prevent that. And you know, obviously in the NFL when they look at the Hall of Fame situation, they don't they they tell you to focus on the field. They tell you to focus on what he done what he did on the field. This is not gonna help. I, I don't think you can scrub your mind and and just, you know, cleanse your mind from from this. You can't. You just can't. And so obviously Darren Sharper, a guy who could have been a Hall of Famer Definitely not going to be a Hall of Famer now. And you wonder what's going to be if Darren Sharper moving forward nine years. And, you know, <laughs> it's crazy. Right, I'm laughing, but this is not funny. But it's just it's mind-boggling because you can't – I can't personally figure out what went, wrong, what went wrong. I guess what went wrong is that he is sick. That's the issue. He's sick. He's absolutely sick, I guess, at the end of the day. We had some players come out and talking about whether or not Darren Sharper could get into the Hall of Fame. John Randall, my gut says he'll never get in. At the end of the day, it looks bad upon the Hall if Someone in Prison for Rape receives the honor. It taints the group. Hall of Famer Willie Rope has been on the show many times. If Sharper was indicted, inducted, it would shine a bad light on the Hall. He would have to do a complete image makeover. I don't know if that's possible. Dan Hampton. Hall of Famer. Darren, Darren Sharper has no business being considered for induction into the into this exclusive fraternity. The systematic commission of these heinous crimes that he has committed should preclude him from any Hall of Fame consideration. Simple as that. And there was another Hall of Famer who was anonymous, and this is all from TMZ Sports, TMZ.com. He isn't getting in. I don't care what the rules say about only considering what happened on the field. I agree with that. There's just no way. Know how he gets in. Switching gears to Michael Sam. Uh, Michael Sam came out, and <clears throat> he was the first openly gay player to be selected in the NFL draft. Well, Michael Sam said, "Quote: The players, there are players who reached out to him and, and told him about their sexual orientation, but those players, according to Michael Sam, won't say anything about it. And he's saying there are some famous people." who who are, in fact, gay playing in the National Football League. That's not surprising. It's not surprising at all. And, you know, he comes out and and talks about, you know, whether or not he regrets coming out. He said it was a risky move, but it was a huge deal. And he said he didn't think it would be that much of a huge deal. I thought, I kind of don't necessarily agree with that, because when, you know, when it came out, he kind of aligned himself with a publicist and everything, and he kind of, you know, he, he was riding his way. Uh, so I, I I don't necessarily agree with him. I, I I think he knew. I don't think he's being completely honest here, because I think he knew that this would, this, this of course this would be a big-time situation. Of course it would. And we're still at the point where it will continue to be a big-time story. Obviously it would be bigger if those famous people that he's talking to do actually come out. It's a story. <clears throat> But at this point in time, he went to the NFL uh, Combine, the uh, Veterans Combine, uh, ran a 4.9940. That was down uh, from his Combine numbers from a year ago. was at 4.81, I believe, was his numbers a year ago. So that's down. That's higher. That's up. So That's not good. What you've been doing this last few years, Michael Sam, last year, Michael Sam, you haven't gotten your speed any better. You know, right now he's on Dancing with the Stars. And... I don't know if he's good enough to play in the NFL. I mean, the Rams drafted him. The Cowboys put him on their practice squad. And at the end of the day, he still didn't stick around with the Cowboys and didn't stick around with the Rams. So I don't know how good he actually is. And I believe that if he is good enough, he'll get an opportunity. Do I think him coming out and announcing that he's gay, did, did it take – Did it? I, I look at it from the Tebow situation. I just believe that it's a situation where you bring attention to your situation, and teams and franchises necessarily don't want to deal with that attention that you bring because you don't bring enough to the table for us, for everybody to deal with the attention. You don't bring enough to the table for everybody to deal with it, to everybody to have to deal with the, the drama and the, you know, the issues that come with having you on the roster. Same issues with Tebow; he's having similar issues, I believe. You know, those things, uh, teams don't want to have to deal with it. They just don't. <clears throat> but I think at the end of the day, if Michael Sam was good enough, he'd be in the NFL. And if he continues to strive and try to get to the NFL, and ultimately if he gets better, I think he'll be in the NFL. But your 40 time is lower. That's inexcusable. I mean, so you really have no one to blame for yourself at that point. I mean, you you, you got to come in and have a better 40 time. You do. You just do. Especially if you want to prove to people that you you can play in the NFL, especially if there is a belief out there that maybe you know you're not getting the opportunities because there's a possible because of the possibilities you're not getting the opportunities that you want because of your sexual orientation. I don't know. We'll see. I want to thank Walter Thurman for stopping by. Also, I want to thank Todd Stucy for stopping by and also Paul Browning for stopping by. You can listen to this show and other great shows, com slash or you can listen to this show and other great shows. Hit us up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash go Hit us up on Twitter at go G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. For everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great weekend. See you later. Take care. And I made it through the show. You know, I'm playing hurt, but I got through. See you later. Take care. Bye.